It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and happy Wednesday, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. My name is John Schmelk. The man across from me is Jeff Fiegels in his ivory tower in an undisclosed location in Manhattan is Lance Meadow. <laughs> Taking your phone calls at 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants chat on Twitter. If you want to get in touch with us that way, you certainly can. I know we've been doing a lot of prospect uh, reports with these college reporters. We're going to take a little bit of a break from that today because Joe Shane had his pre-draft press conference today. We'll discuss that. Get your reaction. We'll take that. A bunch of calls from you uh, right here again at 201-939-4513. Guys, there was something very stirring, very important, very news-breaking that happened in that press conference. Joe yeah. Shane yeah, didn't were- mention the name of a player. He mentioned Charles Cross by name. Mm. Might be the first time in about 10 years we've had that happen. Well, he was asked a specific question yes. about Charles correct. Cross. Correct. I know. Fairness. I know so, he was. I yeah. know. I know he was. <laughs> you are correct. He still uh, could have avoided saying the name if he wanted to, but you're right. He was asked. And, and, he, and he said it in and he said it in a way where it's like, I'm not going to tell you anything about Charles Cross. Which is kind of how he answered Well, he said, question. what do you want me to do? Show you our board? Yes. I mean, basically. Correct. I think they like Charles Cross. Yeah. Everybody likes Charles Cross. Well, and he said, well, we like all the offensive linemen in this draft. We're going to find a good player. But By the way, it was the first time the media was He wasn't was in that jumping building. for that bait. Let's put it this no, way. No, he was not. The, to me, yeah. the, the most significant thing for me out of the press conference, guys, was kind of Joe Shane talking about where they are in terms of trade talks, which I thought was interesting how he's had conversations, but there's been no firm offer. It's more like, Oh, would you be willing to move? Would you consider it? It's been, I think, what he termed as exploratory. And basically what Joe Shane has said, well, if you guys really want to have discussed details and get more serious about this, call me when we get closer to the draft and we can have a more serious conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, to me, was in terms of newsworthiness, guys, that, that to me was, was, was probably the biggest thing that, that got discussed over the course of that half hour or so press conference. On top of the fact that he also mentioned they've received phone calls for James Bradbury, but yes. that doesn't necessarily mean that anything is imminent. And same thing with the draft picks, perhaps moving out of that spot. And I don't think that's anything new, John, because I think most GMs have those conversations before the draft. Hey, if we love this player and he's still on the board, would you be willing to swap spots with us? Because then we would have interest to move up. I think those are really all of the conversations that Joe Shane was referring right. to. He didn't mention a specific player, but most of the times GMs will say, hey, you know, we have six or seven guys we really like. We may want to move up ahead of this team. Would you be willing to swap spots with us in the event that one of the guys we still like is still there? I think it was one of those scenarios. The word he used was fishing around was the term in terms of that's what a lot of teams are doing. And he even said probably on draft day for the first round on Thursday, he'll probably spend the good portion of the afternoon leading up to the draft on the phones trying to A, gather intel from other GMs that he has established relationships with, and B, maybe hammer out more specific trade opportunities since, obviously, it will be draft day at that point. Yeah, and I thought he said there were no firm offers, and I think it's because of a different answer he gave when someone asked if he had a sense of what the quarterback market was, and he basically said, no, I don't. No one has shown their hands to the quarterback, (laughs) and I think the only team that could theoretically 
give a firm offer as a team that was in yeah, the there's... quarterback business uh, trying to get ahead of Carolina. So mm-hmm. that's kind of you know why I, I think there probably weren't any formal. For, for, I think firm every, I think every one of these calls are part of a developing contingency plans because I think that if you go down, if somebody says, "Hey, we'll give you X," and you're going to want Y and Z, well, that's going to affect. The, you know, a lot of different things. So I think that the hard part, if I'm the GM in these types of situations, is that thank God you're not. I know. Absolutely. Uh, is this fact that you got to understand, you know, how doing one thing will affect the other. And that that's that's a big process because you got to understand, you know, you may not have heard from anybody yet, you know, going really leading up to the draft. There might be these phone calls that people are making, but, you know, you got to be prepared that somebody on draft day or the night before is going to make you a phone call and it may be something you're like, whoa, okay, we haven't thought about this. So there's a lot of thinking and planning that go into every single one of these decisions that they're going to make. And I thought the other thing, Lance, that was interesting is he talked about how, you know, they've, they've sent the scouts home. They're going to be back on Monday and the next three or four days or four or five days in the last day or so has been spent reconciling where the coaches have these players ranked versus where the front office does. And he made the point that they're mostly in sync, but there are some players that maybe they're not completely aligned on. It has to be. So they're going to sit down and then talk and discuss because as you guys know, you get in these war rooms on draft day, there can be a push and pull. A coach might fall in love with a guy, but the scouting staff might not love him or vice versa. So that's going to be something. And Joe Shane kind of pointed out that's one of the things that he learned best from Brandon Bean when his time in Buffalo. Listen. That... (laughs) you have to get everyone on the same page and make it collaborative. So I think that's pretty key, frankly. I think these next four days are pretty important to get the coaching staff and the general and the, and the scouting staff, the front office staff, on the same page when it comes to how you rank and rate these players. Well, he said they already put together an exercise in which they ranked 100 guys yep. and that they're just going to continue to fit the equation within the puzzle based on what the feedback they get from the coaching staff. And now, Lance, I want to be specific. So that, that's a top 100 from the scouts' perspective and the front office Correct. perspective without yeah. the coach's input. Correct. But they're probably going to do another version, yes. obviously, once they get the coaching of feedback, course. and then they'll go from there. But he said he was using that just as an exercise to see where everybody was and whether or not the scouting department was at least on the same page in terms of them going through the top 100. No different than them wanting to put together a good list of the top seven guys in their mind so that if somebody does come and offers a trade, they know whether or not they'll realistically drop and still get a player that they like or a top 25 list. I think that was something else that Joe mentioned. But to piggyback off of Jeff's point about, you know, you're going through all the different scenarios. The other thing that Joe mentioned was you have to weigh moving back a few spots and getting an additional he used the sixth round pick for example was his hypothetical but is it worth it if you then miss out on a player that you really like or can you get a player you really like and still get an additional draft pick so you sort of have to weigh both of those things as you take in offers and evaluate the pros and cons to that as far as the point about the importance of getting coaching feedback, I think he said, and I'm paraphrasing, the worst thing that you could do is basically give a player to a coaching staff and they don't like the player. And then just expect that they're eventually going to fall in love with the guy. So I think he understands from his experience in Buffalo and Miami and Carolina, you really need to feel as if the coaching staff is behind the player. He may not be a finished product, 
but at least they're willing to work with him. They like his character traits as opposed to just trying to desperately sell the coaching staff on the player, and they don't have any animation or excitement surrounding working with to him. To quote him, he said that player would be dead on arrival. If, if no question. Pretty much. And, and don't you guys all think that this, is, this has happened in every organization? This sure. is, you know, that down the line. Oh, this have seen it here every, all over uh, the place. And yeah. so you as a coach, and I know this for a fact because I've heard coaches verbatim tell me this, is that, hey, you know, he's, he's here. I got to coach him. I don't like him, I, but I got to coach him. I, I got to put it on me as making him a better player. And remember when Joe Judge got here, his whole theory was that, you know, he wanted to hire the coaches as good teachers to be able to teach these players and have a good communication in that sense. So I think this is important to understand. I don't think you'll ever get everybody on the same page, but I feel like your conversations can gravitate to uh, a point where everybody may agree or disagree, but they kind of go with the theme of that position and that's who they're going to try to draft it. Even the rankings. Cause I mean, I'm sure that they're going to ask us for our hundred people sooner or later, and we're going to have to give them to them, you know? So I'm just curious how they're going <laughs> to react to <laughs> When did you mark oh, that tomorrow. down on the I think tomorrow is a good day that they'll, you know, just come right in the BBK office and tell us, I haven't us your hundred. I haven't received a deadline on that, Jeff. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to put one together. I've, I'm probably over a hundred players in terms of guys I've watched, but I've, I've well, not, I was actually going to put a list together this weekend, but if he's going to want it before then, we're going to have a problem. Don't, don't be surprised if it doesn't happen tomorrow, John. It might, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you too. Lance tomorrow but, you know, in your imagination but listen, is that I, think, what you're saying, I think that yeah. we've covered this draft enough to the point on BBK that we we probably could come up with our good hundred at this point and so you know there it would be pretty I, I, I guess it would be it'd be a fun exercise I, I wonder how close it would be to, the, to theirs not you know? close uh, you know I don't know I think 100, question. 100 is like maybe the top 50 I think we would be starting to get pretty close but the question know, is how, that's, 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 that's not what we're gonna have the answer to this but how many different players do you think you would have 25 out of 100 25 percent um yeah i think that's a good number i even think it might even be 30 might be yeah, yeah i think you're gonna that. start to fluctuate once mm -hmm. you get beyond the first round and again i feel like what, again i'm not talking what is exactly the, the right spot i just mean in the no list. the numbers in the list yeah. yes and i i also believe that so what's our criteria are we, are we ranking one to a hundred in terms of you know that that those are the best 100 or Correct. is it the okay yeah, the so, best 100 uh, best 100 yeah. i think yeah. 25 to 30 percent would be different yeah I think that's probably about right. You're probably getting, you know, not that. I'll, I'll see what I can do. I'll see if I can get that list for us. I don't think or, it's going to Or tell them I'm, I'm happy to create my list and they can just bring me up to the war room and I can compare it myself. I'm, I'm, I'm happy yeah. to do that if they And then will. what I'll do is I'll have cameras everywhere in my body that I can start just taking pictures like this. <laughs> <laughs> just turning everywhere, tick, 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 and just seeing that big boy. Well, you have like a camera in your eye every time you yeah. blink. It just takes yeah. a photo. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it'll yep. be uh, it'll be uh, Jeff Fields and Tom Cruise from uh, Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible, <laughs> yeah. and they're trying to take those pictures. Um, just take a look at my other notes here. You know, a lot of generic stuff, right? Needing value needs to mirror up. Um, he did point out we've had a couple calls about this that saving money on the salary cap will not drive a decision to trade down, which is something that we've been trying to tell fans as well, because the savings just isn't enough to mm -hmm. sacrifice getting a better player. Correct. Um, you know, they consider trading down, but the Lance's point, you got to make sure. Um, you're not going to miss out on a player, but he'd say he would value picks both this year and next. He didn't mention that. Um, at one point, he says he feels... But at a certain cost, John, it's important to mention with respect to gaining extra picks. Right. Meaning if you lose out on a player that you really like... He didn't necessarily talk about a first-rounder, but he was using an example of an additional pick, let's say a mid-rounder, a late-rounder. Yep. Is that worth it if you're going to move down four spots and then lose a player that you really like? Yeah, he did point out that he would value picks this year and next in mm -hmm. terms of he wouldn't try to prioritize adding one or the other. So that was just kind of what, what a 
Go ahead, Jeff. I'm sorry. No, I'm just saying that that I think that that's very difficult when you have somebody offering you something and then you're going to move down. There, that's a big risk. Oh, the other interesting one I heard too, Wink Martindale. He said he really likes versatile players. That was something that that Joe Shane said he kind of got from watching tape with Wink. That didn't have did not have size length parameters per se, which okay. surprised me. I thought he would, to be quite honest with you. Um, but he said he really likes versatile players because he likes to line guys up at different places. So that that kind of makes makes well, it interesting in terms of safeties and because to me that's safety and linebacker, right? This is a linebackers too, right? Because yeah. these cornerbacks, they're cornerbacks. They can line up anywhere. Defensive linemen or defensive linemen, yeah. whatever. Yeah, inside, but, outside, whatever. You know, we're talking about the evolution of those two positions, right? Linebacker and safety. They're almost blending together. Well, the evolution of, of offenses that they're covering. Right. And some safeties are blending with cornerbacks too, depending on how you want to use them, right? So I think it's interesting now as we view those two groups. And by the way, there's a need at linebacker, there's a need at safety here with the Giants. There's a need at edge. <laughs> there's a need at a lot of places, let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> I think it'll be interesting to see if you can find those guys that you can ask to do a lot of different things. So, you know, I, I guess the point I'm making is that, all right, well, this is a really good two-down, run-stopping linebacker. Well, I'm not sure that would necessarily be something you like. Well, this is a guy that you just want to cover, but you can't trust him in the box. I'm not sure that's a guy that they're going to like. So I think it's interesting you want to get those guys that have the physical ability to do a lot of different things so Wink can be that mad scientist in terms of where you line them up. Real quick, so in that in that concept that you just mentioned, that two-down middle linebacker, okay, they, you got to find a guy that if all of a sudden maybe one week, you know, you're going to be in a 3-4 or you're going to be in a 4-3, in a um, that you got to be able to mix and match some of these guys. So, you know, that two-down middle linebacker may not be your guy in, you know, 25 40 50% of the snaps in that game that's coming up. So I think versatility comes into the effect where if you have an outside linebacker that can move into the inside position to play in a certain scheme, that's what's going to happen. I just feel like every— right, And by the way, also drop in zone and rush the passer. 100%. Do those sorts of but things, But I just right? feel like the evolution of the offenses around the National Football League— how they just they they've kind of just morphed into this passing juggernaut of covering all these people. You got to have guys that can cover tight ends. You got to have guys that can cover linebackers out, out, out. Excuse me, running backs out of the backfield. So there comes that versatility. I believe that the defensive linemen, like you said, John, they can all play wherever. But I feel like the versatility comes in if you want a guy that can maybe move inside for you. You know, look at Aaron Donald. I mean, I'm not going to compare anybody on the team to Aaron Donald, but he can play all over the place. He can play outside. He can play inside. So that versatility matters. And I feel like because the college football is, is growing very similar to the pro game, I'm seeing. I think you have a better chance of finding those guys that are with the versatility. Well, that doesn't also, surprise me a bunch about it, though. Well, the other thing is with a corner, you may also want a guy that could play inside and outside. Yeah. So mm -hmm. there may be some versatility you look for with respect to a corner. To now, right? And by yeah, the way, a... Lance, not just positioning, right? Can they play man and zone? Can they sure. play off yeah. and press? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Or a safety. Can he play in the box? Can yeah. he then play deep? So, I mean, I think that speaks of versatility. And Joe Shane also said he's not necessarily surprised that Wink is looking for those type of players based on what he utilized in Baltimore and how he mixed and matched and move players around. So clearly he's brought that philosophy over. It's just a matter of can you find the personnel that can help run what you actually did in Baltimore. All right, I'm going to drop a hand grenade in this conversation then. There we go. Thank you, Jeff. <laughs> that was totally Sound unplanned. effects. Well done. Um... <laughs> 
does Kyle Hamilton then become more of a possibility at five or seven? Because mm-hmm. to me, mm-hmm. talk about a guy that you can you don't you don't want to line him up as as a slot over a wide receiver, but he can play man tight end. He can play box safety. He can play two high safety. He can play single high safety. He can play everywhere you want. Yes. Again, except probably as a corner over a quicker slot wide receiver or a super fast wide receiver. But that's fine. Does he become now that chess piece that Wink would love to move around? And even a guy like Devin Lloyd, Mm -hmm. who's a former safety now as a linebacker. You know, I'm not sure he's the most physical guy, but he could do a lot of things from an athletic perspective. I saw so, a mock with, with Lloyd going to the Giants. So do those two guys now, if he's looking for truly versatile mm-hmm. players, and I get five and seven I think is early, but is is that are those two guys that now enter the equation? I think both of them are, are players that you wouldn't – I mean, if they picked them at seven, five I would be a little bit – well, maybe Hamilton I would take at five. If, if that was their philosophy, it wouldn't surprise My me. My guess is that the Panthers wouldn't pick him at six because they have Jeremy Chin. So I'm thinking probably you would probably wait till seven, but whatever, not important. Yeah. doesn't matter. But I mean, yeah. uh, I listen, I, I don't – I think a lot of people – well, if they picked both those players, I think a lot of people would be like scratching their head like, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. We just picked two defensive players. <laughs> Um, but I think, you know, I, I agree with you. I think that, you know, with Lloyd, he's kind of that guy where, although with Hamilton, he's a big dude now. I mean, he's six foot four. That guy could play. He could definitely cover tight ends. Dude, Hamilton can be your nickel linebacker. If, 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 like the, the same role Jabril Peppers played the last couple of years before he got mm-hmm, hurt. Mm-hmm. Like Kyle Hamilton can do that. Yeah. Easy. Yeah. And with size. Yep. Yeah. Well, more size than Peppers. And run. He can run too. You know? Yeah. It's so interesting. It's just like I said, I I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I no, saw please, I saw ahead. I saw one mock draft that had the Giants picking up Lloyd, um, and also another mock that they had the Giants picking Hamilton too. So I mean, it's out there. It's out there for sure. Well, Lloyd was the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year, so it's not as if he's yeah. you know some unknown guy no, that no, would just no. come out of nowhere yeah. and be like, well, what are they exactly are they thinking here, taking a player like that? And you mean he's good, really? Yeah, he's good. Okay, something bad. tells me yeah. I think he's got some talent, maybe right, work with just a slight. And then as far as you know, a guy like Kyle Hamilton, NFL. you got to look at you know somebody that clearly has the versatility to fit into Wink's equation. And you know, here's the other thing with respect to. If they do, let's say, go defense, to your point, Jeff, as opposed to offense, when everybody obviously is pulling for an offensive lineman, Joe Shane was asked about, you know, how much are you prioritizing the offensive line? And he said, listen, we went out, we got some offensive linemen in free agency with the resources and money that we had. But he said, listen, I also don't want to hear three years from now if I take a guard in the first round and then we don't get good value out of that, then you start criticizing the pick because we reach to fill a need. So, you know, that's the other thing that he has to weigh. You may say, hey, the Giants could use an offensive lineman, but do they view who they would be taking at that point as being good value at number five or number seven versus a defensive player that could give them something even beyond the rookie contract? I think that's the other part of this equation that he's going to have to weigh because, you know, five and seven could be key blueprints for what you could build upon well beyond Mm -hmm. the length of the rookie contract. All right, I want to open up the phones here, 201-939-4513. I don't have a screener right now, so I'll put you on hold. If you hear the show, that means you're on hold, and I have you. (laughs) So 201-939-4513. Jeff, you're going to say something. No, I wasn't. No, I was good. No, I was good. Okay. (laughs) 
it looked like yeah. you were peaked I mean, to say something. No, 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 nothing. Just no. happy to be here. Okay, great. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Very insightful. I mean, <laughs> 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 Tremendous. I mean, hey, listen. <sighs> Peter Schrager put out his first mock draft yesterday, which I think is always a good one to look at because he he's a guy that he has con. He's not a draft guy, so he's this is this is his own this little mock intel. draft is based purely on intel. Let me bring this up. It's not based on his analysis and how he ranks players, because he's not a draft guy. He's a reporter, right? So I thought it was interesting, and he's been kind of teasing this on on Good Morning Football over the past couple of weeks. He's moved Trayvon Walker into the number one spot at Jacksonville. And then I do think it's pretty automatic that Aiden Hutchinson goes second to Detroit. And by the way, uh, later this afternoon, we're going to have a uh, Beat Reporter mock draft come out on the Giants Huddle podcast, picks one through seven. Make sure you guys go check that out. It'll be up there later today on uh, the Giants podcast platforms of the Giants Huddle podcast. Iki Aquanu, third overall pick to the Texans. Kayvon Thibodeau, fourth pick to the Jets. And this is where it gets interesting. Mm-hmm, very interesting. At the, fifth, Gardner's at the fifth spot. He has the Giants taking Charles Cross. All right, maybe. Oh, but it's over Evan Neal. Ooh, that's spicy. Then he has the Panthers taking a quarterback. I'm still not convinced that's going to happen, but a lot of other people are, and that's fine. And then he has the Giants taking Sauce Gardner at number seven with Evan Neal dropping all the way down to eight. Your guys' thoughts on that? Real quickly, Lance, I'll go. The Jets, to me, I, I, would, I think that those are going to be swapped. I think the Jets are all over Sauce Gardner. Okay. See, you don't think coming from San Francisco that Salah just wants a pass rusher really, really badly? I think he does, but I feel I feel like I think that he likes Sauce Gardner better. Okay. Yeah. How about you, Lance? Well, he came from a team. All they did was draft defensive linemen and pass rushers. So it's not a surprise at all if they take Thibodeau. And remember, you know, they had some injuries up front the last few years Mm. for some of the free agents they brought in. To me, Thibodeau and Lawson, that's a nice one-two punch. Plus, you got Quinn and Williams. I mean, it's hard for me to argue that Robert Sala is going to have complaints with that threesome to be able to stop the run and get after the quarterback. Especially in that mm. division where Josh Allen you got to deal with, and we'll see what happens. The Dolphins are going to have probably an explosive offense given all their weapons, and McDaniel, who he knows very well because McDaniel came from San Francisco. So it's important to be able to disrupt and get after the quarterback in that division. Are we in agreement that the team most likely to pick an offensive player is the Texans? And well, in the top four I'm talking about. I mean, clearly they need help up front. It's been <laughs> well, an issue for them. They need help yeah. everywhere. Well, yeah. yeah. But they got to start No somewhere. doubt about it. Yes. But if, if they want to see what they have out of Davis Mills and they want to have some semblance of an offense with consistency, I think you need to strengthen the players up front. So I think you can make a very strong case that the line is a bigger priority than any other position, John, even though I would agree with you they have other areas that they need to shore up. Now, Lovey Smith is a defensive coordinator he's got that background would he be pushing for a pass rusher it wouldn't necessarily surprise me and Nick Casario their general manager came over from New England where they didn't necessarily make big huge splashes for Brady up front but I just I feel if you have any chance of giving Davis Mills an opportunity in year two to make a jump I think you need to prioritize the offensive line I agree. And that, by the way, and I'm not making the pick. That would be my thinking if I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars, too. I realize you franchise Cam Robinson. I don't care. To me, they you could. You need two of them. They could build that team great. If Trevor Lawrence doesn't work out, none of it matters. Yeah, you have two tackles that are good. None sure. of it matters, okay? 
So to me, if I'm the Jaguars, I'm picking an. They're not. I don't think they're going to based on all the intel. Though I did talk to someone down in Jacksonville that covers the team the other day. They think outside chance maybe Aquano because he's a guy that they can start at guard, then move out to tackle if Cam mm-hmm, Robinson mm-hmm. leaves. But their thought is either Walker or Hutchinson. Wow. Um, but uh, to me, I don't know. That's just the way I kind of think about it. All right. Real quick, because we have three people on the line. I want to get to the calls. Your guys' thoughts. Would you be for – I think Sauce Gardner, we, we've had that conversation a million times. Would you guys be fall off your chair surprised if they took cross over Neil? I don't want to jump I in. I mean, I wouldn't be that surprised. I mean, Cross no. is a polished offensive lineman. Yeah, it's pass not... protection yeah. is his best, right? In a passing league behind it this offense. It wouldn't shock me either. You know? Um, and no. look, and guys, I think what... If that happens, I think it's a, it's a, it's a breadcrumb, right? Yeah. Do you know what that tells me? They're going to throw this ball around the yard. Like, mm-hmm. if they were worried That's about becoming this, like, physical running team... All right, then you go pick Neil or Quan or whatever. If you pick Charles Cross to play right tackle for you, you know what that tells me? You know how Brian Dable was maybe the pass-heaviest offensive coordinator in Buffalo? Well, guess what's coming down here? Well, I mean, you got the, you got, you got the, some of the receivers. I mean, this, yeah. You got to have protection. And, Jeff, I've said it. Look, to me, he is the best pass protector in There's this There's no draft. question. I've said it since I watched him And he's a legitimate ago, right tackle. And I'll say it again. He is a legitimate starting tackle. He's got the best feet of any lineman in the class. Yep. Yep. But he's yep. not as powerful. He's not as good in the run game. But he and, can get there. And I think he has a little bit more room to develop physically too than those other two guys. Which so, a lot, a lot of these young guys, no matter what position it really is, they all have to develop. And by they're, the way, they're still young. I do. Think but he has two years of starting experience, sure. which mm-hmm. is Correct. nice. Yes. Just turned twenty-one, I think, if I'm not mistaken. I have to double check that, but I'm pretty sure that's true. Um, to me, he's only a tackle. So if there's a risk there, that's the risk. That if he fails a tackle, that's it. You know, if Neil or Aquanu fail a tackle, you can move him to guard and feel good about it. I don't see Cross as a guard. That doesn't. That that just doesn't seem to be his thing to me. So that that to me is the only risk. But look, he's a great pass protector. He's been working on the offseason a right tackle. He hasn't played that before, but he's been working, and I'm sure the Giants have seen him do that. He did it at his pro day. And when you're he that good it. of an athlete and that mm-hmm. good of feet, yeah. And he's a smart guy by all accounts. That's something he should be able to adjust to, I think. It's a risk, but I think all these guys have different level of risk. It's just a matter of what you want to take a chance on. Well, I mean, it's just, look at, we've talked all about Evan Neal and Sauce Gardner. And we have talked about Charles Cross. And I think within the last couple of weeks, more people have been talking about Charles Cross. About that position and how, you know, how good he is at pass protection. To me... I just feel like, you know, you're drafting a guy because we want him to play right tackle and we're hoping that he doesn't digress and we have to move him somewhere else. Correct. But, you know, even with Neil, I mean, I would still be drafting him as a tackle anyways, but, you know, of course. But um same thing with any other guy, yeah. I think. So you, I, because that's your priority to shore up the right tackle position. Yeah. I just feel like, you know, um but there's just been so much said about him in the last couple of weeks that makes you believe that oh, there's it's, so it's many hot. people that you are would, like... You would Schrager say it. Matt Miller in his buzz column on ESPN had it. Rick Saratella, who we had on yesterday, said it. The Giants love Charles Cross. So I don't know how it got out there. It's out there. I don't know if it's real. <laughs> yeah. Lance, way there. to go, Lance. Did you get it out there, Lance? <laughs> no, I can't say that. I will take credit for that, unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, I, well, listen, I, I'm not going to be upset if it is. Um, that's for sure. 
um, because that just goes to show you the direction that we just talked about. They're going to throw the ball around the yard. Um, and I think I'm at Neil Cross Aquanu in terms of my tackle rankings. I think that's where I'm at. Neil Cross Aquanu, not yeah, in order. Okay. I think so. Just right. because I love Cross's feet so much. They're so good. Well, I mean, listen, I, you got so many good defensive edge rushers nowadays that you got to have a guy that's so athletic that his feet will help him. Yeah, no, I know. So, I know. you know, he may have to, he has to develop a little bit, but the fundamentals of that position start with your footwork. And so if you got somebody that, and I'm not saying those other guys' footwork isn't great, but I mean, th- this purely is uh, clearly is a guy that's way better than the other two in that position as far as footwork. And yeah. I think that when you got lining up every Sunday against these edge rushers, that are going number one in on the pick in 2022, maybe another edge rusher. You got to be, you got to be good. You got to be careful. Yeah. Look, I think all three of these guys are very close. They're very, very. I, I think, think it's a matter, matter of, of what style yeah, you want. Absolutely. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. What flavor yeah. ice cream? I mean, we yeah. could be talking the same thing about Sauce Gardner right now. Okay. I mean, here's a guy where I mean, are you going to go wrong with him? Hey, I mean, look, and the I, guy I, didn't give up a touchdown. I can make the argument. <laughs> I could see why a team would draft Stingley over Sauce Gardner if, if people fall in love with Stingley's 2019 tape. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, look, we think, you know, 2020 was COVID year. LSU was a mess. And, you know. But there's some, you know, there's some baggage a little bit with no, Stingley. With some injury issues. He had the list Frank this year. Well, but, I also yep. think that a lot of people think that, you know, he kind of just the last couple of years, you know. Eh, yeah. Eh, yeah. But when you compare 19, and I, I have not compared the two because I didn't go back and look at 19. I'm just going what I've heard. Yep. Mm-hmm. To compare 19 to Sauce's 2022, they're pr- he's probably better. Stingley's better. He started as a true freshman in the SEC on an LSU team. And was team. the best cornerback in the country. That's ridiculous. No, that's crazy. <laughs> no, that is crazy. So that's, you know, you just you don't know, the, do that. The other thing, I didn't mean to cut you off no, there, Jeff, but just the th- thought process for Charles Cross, and maybe this is me taking it really deep, but think about the offense he played in also with Mike Leach and how much they love to throw the ball around. That could be also an attractive component. If that's what Dable plans to do, well, he's been exposed to that because that's essentially all that offense did at Mississippi State. Okay, even if you go back to Mike Leach's track record anywhere else he's come from, and that may be at least giving the Giants a comfort zone of saying what we're going to ask him to do he was asked to do for two years at the collegiate level as a mainstay on the offensive line. Is that the only rationale as to why you should draft the guy? No, but it could very well bring comfort because you've seen it on film and you're not going to now throw him on the opposite side of the equation and ask him to do something that he was not asked to do or got a taste of at the collegiate level. I think that could be one of the reasons why he's a little bit more attractive than perhaps the other two. All right, let's get to the calls. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Just a reminder, Giant season tickets are on sale now for 2022. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, events, experiences, pre-sales, more. You can lock in your seats starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 and ask for Jeff Fiegels or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. No, don't ask for Jeff. He, he, he will... He will try to upsell you on a house, and then you'll be in trouble. Uh, <laughs> He'll sell you the kitchen <laughs> sink and everything that. else. Yep. Literally. Yep. Literally yeah. the kitchen sink, actually. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, most of them come with sinks, so I don't yeah. have to sell it to you. Furniture, too. He also sells furniture. That, too. What else do <laughs> you want to sell? Yeah, I know. What, what, else, what, else, what else do you yeah. want? <laughs> um, but again, Giants.com slash tickets or 888-NYG-1925. All right. Our call screener has not arrived yet, so Hello. I'm, I'm going to go to everybody cold here. Uh, I hope everybody that's called in already this week will respect the one call a week rule 
and uh, go along with that. If you don't, well, you'll be it's punished It's middle of later. the week. They should. I'm going to have Lance write you a sternly worded letter. So let's go to the phones. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name? Click. And what are you calling from? It's me, Charlie, Portland, Maine. Wow, How talk about losing the lottery. Go ahead, Charlie. What do you got? <laughs> uh, hey, look, I got a couple of things. Uh, one thing is um, my my feeling is this. <clears throat> if if Icky and Cross are there and we can take them at five and seven, I would take both of them. And the reason why I would do that is you got to remember, Thomas has had two surgeries on the same ankle. He's also had a problem with his other foot, which put him on the IR for three games. So to me is I can't count on Thomas myself having that many injuries on the same ankle, two surgeries. I mean, he might be fine. He might go 10 years or he might go one year or two years. So for me... If I take the two offensive linemen, if they're there, Icky you could put at guard, and you got Cross, of course, as your as, as your right tackle. And if something happens to Thomas' uh, ankle again, then you don't have to go to the scrap heap and look for cow chips to bring in. Charlie, got... would you pick? Would you also pick Cross and Neil, or is it only Cross and Aquanu? Well, I think just think a quantum will probably oh, no, make no. a better oh, guard. No. I, I, I know why. I'm making putting you on the spot. Would oh. you do it with Neil too, yeah. or would you just do it with a quantum? Yeah, I I would probably do it with Neil too. Uh, that would just cover our butts for tackles. And like you've been saying, uh, ne- you know, Neil's a guy you could move to guard, and maybe he'd start off uh, as guard. Mm-hmm. And now you got your offensive line pretty secured. You know, if Thomas stays healthy, you're pretty secured. You finally got the other guard spot taken care of. You've got your right tackle. You've got, you know, the the glow, the guy you just brought in. You've got Thomas, and then you got Feliciano as your center. So, to me, you just have solidified the whole offensive line, and you'd be taking care of yourself if something happens to Thomas down the road. What's your second point? And yet, my second point is this Frank injury. The medium time for a player to come back from that in the NFL is 11 months. And I don't know when he got his injury, but he seems to be coming back a little early. Yeah, It, it was so, August, Charlie, apparently when he hurt himself uh, right before the season started. Now, I don't know if it was uh, okay. I don't know if, if it was like a complete like rupture of it. I don't it could have just right. been a strain. I don't know this because he apparently tried to play through that injury in the UCLA game this year with it. So my guess is that it wasn't a full yeah. break. Ru- whatever a list Frank does, it wasn't the. But you're full, out eleven months. It wasn't it. the full yeah. that, yeah. which is why he's been able to get yeah. back on the field. That's my guess, Charlie. I don't know the the details of the injury, Lance. I don't know if you have details on he that. Ran I don't. It, con- it is pro day. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the guy ran talk- a four four forty. I, th- I think you feel pretty good about it. Yeah, and from what yeah, I heard, yeah. I mean, the rehab is on schedule in terms of whatever he may have suffered in that August-September timeline anyway. So, I mean, I haven't heard anything yeah. about major red flags that people are worried about him not being ready for perhaps the start yeah. of the season from that standpoint. Yeah, I, I just looked up, you know, about the injury a little bit, and it is something that can reoccur. So sure, it, but, know, I mean, everybody's isn't... different. You can't necessarily say that, yeah. well, it happened to yeah. one guy, so everybody else is going to follow the same right. thing. Right. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I know there's degrees, there's different – 
degrees of uh, of that injury. So hopefully his was on the lesser lesser degree range. But I don't know. I would just, I mean, just like you said, John. I think that Wink likes people who are versatile in the back end. I think that brings in Hamilton in the conversation. Uh, so uh, it'll be interesting. Thank you, John. Uh, I listen. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. I just want to make sure I get as many calls in as I can today. We do have open lines, 201-939-4513. On Charlie's first point, <laughs> I would be open to picking two offensive linemen if Sauce isn't on the table. If Sauce is gone and Hutchinson's gone, then I I would have that conversation. So, the, and so no, no edge rushers are there. Thibodeau's gone too. That's a I'm one. on the fence on Thibodeau. I I understand that, but I mean, and I'm not as high on Trayvon. I, to be clear, <laughs> if Trayvon Walker is there, I think the Giants will select him. Yeah, with his traits, and again, he's a really good football player. Just hasn't shown necessarily a lot of pass rush in mm-hmm. his college career. I think the Giants will take him in a second, and I think he's a. You know, a lot of people aren't calling him a high floor player, but I think he is because he's such a good football player. He can stop the run. He's a good athlete. He's a good tackler. You know, he just isn't a high-impact pass rusher right now. Talk about versatile, a guy you can move around the line, mm-hmm. too. You talk about a versatile guy, you can line up everywhere. I think he fits that bill, too. So, I, to be clear, I think the Giants would pick Trayvon Walker. He is not as high on my board, just because I want to see more pass rush out of him, um, statistically. So, I would be open to picking the two offensive linemen over Walker and Thibodeau, just because... I just don't know how to judge Thibodeau on the personality stuff. I, sure. I, it's just hard for me to do that. So that's where that would enter the equation. I would select Sauce before I pick a guy I would play a guard, though, because I think that cornerback spot is just so essential in Wink's system. Especially that type. And of- he's a good player. And again, I don't think Sauce is like a – he's not a top-five player in a normal draft year. Yeah. Like last year, he was probably picked in the teens, yeah. to yep. be quite honest yep. with you. Yeah. But that's okay. It is what it is. That's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll live with it. Well, if you get great value out of him, to me, it's irrelevant where he would rank in previous classes. Bottom line is you want a guy that's going to get on the field and warrant where you selected him. I mean, that's what the make-or-break, I think, decision is based on the player. As far as the two offensive linemen, I, just, I don't think the Giants' main priority is in the event Andrew Thomas gets hurt, do we have plan B and C in place? Right, correct. I think what they did in free agency was – perhaps that type of thinking. In the event, one of the guys that starts goes down, do we feel good that this guy can fill in for, let's say, three or four games? I think that was the rationale in terms of some of the players they pinpointed. And some of them that they're hoping to return do have some baggage from injury. But I don't know if the ultimate goal is, we'll, we'll take the extra offensive lineman no. so that we're protected from injury. I just You've got to have more of a conviction behind mm-hmm. that yep. than that type of thinking. It's a luxury. I feel like yeah. you have a luxury. You have the ability to do that, but I don't think that that's, that's kind of in your mind is kind of like in the back of your mind saying that, you know, this is what's going to, I just feel like yeah, if you do that, what has to be on your mind is that I think Ike Aquano is an all pro guard. That needs to be the hundred, first there thing you go. that's on your that's mind. That's the better sure. thinking. Yeah. yeah. And there's and, a spot for him to start immediately. And 100%. there's a spot for obviously 
cross to start immediately. I'm not disputing that they can't start, but I just I want to know that both of those guys are starters beyond the rookie contract. You feel great about them, can't miss type of offensive lineman. I don't want to hear, well, we took the first guy cross because we like him at right tackle, and the second guy, we like his versatility so we could kick him outside in the event that Andrew Thomas gets hurt. I, I just like, you know, what have we, what Giants fans, and we all have been talking about this for the last 10 years, is the offensive line, right? So you've got a first rounder on your left tackle. If you went in this scenario, for Charlie's first scenario, you now have three first round draft picks on your offensive line. You have a veteran, an established veteran. Is he an all pro perennial guy? No, but he's a guy that can play, he's consistent. And then Basically, you got look look at your offensive line right now. He, here's my question, and would this impact your guys' decision making? And by the way, folks, we have an open line or two again. Give us a call two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Would it bother you that there's probably no way you pay all three of those guys at the top of the market if they all hit? Well, that's five years down the line. I know it is. It's a long time in the future, no question. And within those five years, I know that you know things happen. Things happen. And by the way, they're, they're, you never know. I mean, one of those guys could just play two years and just, he's a bust. Yeah, You just never know. But my point is, is that I think you're going to get some true consistency out of that offensive line immediately where you're not going to be talking about it as much. Well, that's why I'm open to it. Yeah, me too. And by the way, I'm also open to I'm, – I'm thinking that this is a year, 2022 for the Giants, that there's a lot of things going on here that it's just kind of trying to figure things out. Which, by the way, is another argument for why you trade down. Because if you're willing to pick a Quan who is an all-pro guard at seven, then we'll just, just go get Zion or Kenyon Green and get more draft capital 10 picks later. If you can, find somebody that wants to make that deal. Because then, that's a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. If you're willing to pick a Quan to play guard, then just go trade back and pick Zion Johnson or Kenyon Green. They might not be as good, but they're going to be good, and you're going to get extra picks out of it. So that's where that it's piece of point. strategy it's comes in. Can you now, find, but can if you you find trade a back, partner? But if you yeah, trade back well, 10 takes spots... takes two to tango. Yeah. yeah. You ain't getting Sauce Gardner or Derek Stingley if you trade back 10 spots. No. You're not getting those guys, which is why, again, I would go Sauce before I go guard in that spot. Well, the other thing is you also need to ask yourself, bringing in two guys that impact one position, the offensive line, or bringing in two guys that impact multiple positions mm-hmm. on your roster. Mm-hmm. I think that's something else. So if you take one offensive, one defensive player, you're going to hope that you have significant impact on each side of the football. Not to say that, once again, the offensive line is not important. The rest of your offense certainly feeds off of it. But I think if you ask Joe Shane, he's probably looking at the roster and he's saying Wink needs as much help as Kafka and Dable need Mm -hmm. on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, that's the other thing you have to weigh. Are you getting the bang for the buck? Meaning, can Sauce do more for your defense than the combination of what Charles Cross and let's say even if you move down Zion Johnson would do. Yeah. And is that worth sacrificing getting sauce at the seventh overall pick or vice versa, however you want to spin it? I, I you know, I think that we obviously don't have this information, but the the Bradbury thing is very intriguing to me because I feel like that's kinda like they know what we don't know. Yeah, and look, Joe Shane did say there were contingencies today where he can be on the roster, which he would will. have to be well, some type of contract extension. 100%. It's the only way to do it because right. he has one year left on his deal. Yeah. And, you know, by the time the draft comes around, you know, they're going to need some money to sign these players. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So You know, there, there could be, Jeff, to just go down the road that you're thinking, 
they may have some conversations with teams where they say, hey, you know, we've got our eyes on a few corners in the event we don't get somebody we really like. We're very interested in pulling off a deal for James Bradbury. And then, you know, maybe you pull it off prior, I mean, after the draft as opposed to before. I know you want to have that security blanket. Or during during the draft, too. (laughs) It would be nice to know, okay, you have a replacement for Bradbury in the event you do ship him out of town. But I think a lot of teams, and now we're getting into the area of about a week away from the draft, most teams, I think, are saying to themselves, we're going to see how the draft plays out before we all of a sudden give up assets for a proven veteran. I, I think we're starting to enter that weak territory where yeah, I'd be very surprised if there's a lot of wheeling and dealing because I think most teams at this point say, let's utilize our resources, our assets in the draft as opposed to absorbing a notable contract that's going to eat up caps. Yeah, I mean, if a team's sitting there end of the first round, they have four corners they really like, they think they can get one, but all four are gone, then all of a sudden they don't have anyone to fill that spot, then maybe Bradbury becomes sure. attractive to yeah. them. 201-939-4513. Call, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Call if you heard the click, that means you're up. Click, click. Caller going once. Wake Basically up. Basically a process of paying attention. Caller going twice. Not good. Call, you've been on hold for like 20 <laughs> minutes. I don't want to lose you, pal. But it looks like I'm going to have to. All right. Bye-bye, caller. All right, let's go to our next caller. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name where are you calling from? Click, click. Hi, <laughs> uh, this is uh, Jason, Jason from New Haven. Jason, what's up, man? What's going on, fellas? What's going on? This, this, I just had a, um, had a question. Um, I know I called last week, and I, I know you can't. You know, I know you guys. You know, I know you guys can't comment who's there, who's not, and I'm not even going to ask you that. Well, no, look, well, Jason, I, I well, we can tell you because both Joe Shane and Brian Dable said Kadarius Tony wasn't there today, so Kadarius Tony was not there today. <laughs> we can say it now. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, you heard so, it. <laughs> it came out of the chief's yep. mouth. Yes, yep. correct. And yes, correct. I know. I, I know. Um, uh, since we, um, Mr. Feagles, we um, I called last week, and you said you're a proponent of all players um, showing up to the voluntary camps. And yep. I understood your point. I know you was a former player, so I respect that. And, and by the way, but, Kenny Kenny Galladay said the exact same thing today. By and the way. by the way, this is a new staff. I mean, you want to right. be here. So go ahead, Jason. Right. I'm sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. No, no, no. I, have, I just have a right. I just have a question. So, in that case, right, um, which we all know it is voluntary, which is an important part to to lay out in this whole situation. Absolutely. Um, um, from reports, and I'm and I'm not saying they're right or wrong, but from reports, uh, I guess Glowinski wasn't there today. Um, that's correct. Okay, so. My, and I'm not, and I'm not blaming, right, according to reports, I'm not saying you guys are saying or so. But what I'm saying is, I don't know why only, and I'm not saying you guys are giving this kind of energy. I'm not saying it. You guys are coming from, you know, you, you guys do a good job. So but maybe my, my frustration is maybe with the fan base. Why, why is it that it just feels like Tony, for some reason, is starting to, to me, not has he been perfect with some of the things? I guess he's done. I haven't seen anything or heard of any off-the-field issues with him. Um, but it seems like he's getting a lot of, um, I guess, um, I don't know what you would call it, just this kind of angst from the fan base for some reason. I um, agree. I, I, yeah, Jason, I don't think you're wrong. I, I think he's been kind of singled out. I think fans are generally down on him. I don't I don't think you're wrong about that. Well, and I think that right. has to do with the injuries and the lack of production from well, last well, season. And the reason, Jason, I think people care about him more than they do about a Glowinski is that 
he was a first round pick and he was the guy they traded down for and didn't get when they traded out of Micah Parsons. So I think that's why he gets more attention, fair or unfair, than the other guys. It's optimal. Right, right. And and like I said, I'm not I'm not sitting here like I'm uh there's Tony's lawyer or anything. But it, I just find it funny when certain players don't show up, the vitriol they get and the certain players other players that don't show up don't necessarily get that same vitriol. Like I, I I've talked to a few friends today and um it um I brought up Balenci and it's like, Oh, who cares? Oh what? but a few days ago Tony didn't show up and it's like, Oh, cut Tony, trade Tony's like I just don't get this whole... Well, Jason, uh, what, what I don't mean to cut you off, but what I find hysterical is and we have this conversation every single year with players, so this really is nothing new. This is like deja vu right. all over again. What I find hysterical is the people who get irritated over a player not showing up to a voluntary workout don't then bring that up when we get to week four of the regular season. So when somebody misses an OTA in the middle of May or June, and it starts to impact performance in week five and week six, and you can connect those dots, <laughs> then I want to have as passionate of a conversation as we're having right now. I just I want everybody to remember the vitriol now, and now, I want to bring that back now, in week six I and week seven. I will say this, though, Lance. I think there are situations where we see new staffs come in, players aren't here for a big portion of the offseason, and then they say, oh, yeah, I'm behind. I have to catch up when they show up in August. Like, that has happened before. Well, but what I'm saying is the whole team, though, suffers as a result of no, one no, no, specific no. player. Not the team, just the player individually. And for, well, a guy, of course. And for a guy like Tony, who is only in his second year, he didn't, he, you know, it took him a while to figure things out last year because he wasn't on the field a lot in the spring and summer because of various injuries or whatever. I think I understand why fans would think it's very important for him to be here to learn the system, to get the most out of him, to get the most out of Daniel Jones, to get the most out of the offense. Why it would be important for him to, you know, he, to Brian Dable said that he doesn't have a playbook. Sure, I, and I'm not, I'm not disputing it's important. I agree with Jeff, and I agree where you're coming from, John. I think f to make a strong first impression, which is what Kenny Galladay had referenced, and learn, learn. The yeah, system. there's value in being here. I'm not disputing that, but right. I guess I'm looking at it more from the CBA standpoint. Yeah. If you want the players to show up. Then they have like to negotiate. It of has course. to be not voluntary. Sure. You can't you can't word it voluntary and then criticize the players no, for not can't. showing up. No, and, well, Jeff, and, and, I mean, I don't know. That's no, where I come no, from, no, Jeff. No, and you've been at the union table. No, so. no, no Lance, they're 100 percent no, right. But remember, I, Dable and Shane did not criticize anyone for not. No, they didn't. No, they but can't. I'm talking about from the fan standpoint, where the right. caller's coming from, saying yeah. he's heard it from fans. Fans have to understand it's negotiated based on the union. They have this right. It's like if you worked for a company, okay, and they told you we're going to give you 20 vacation days, okay, but you know what? Maybe you should only use 10 of them. Mm -hmm. Well, then what the hell's the purpose of giving no. me 20? No, you're right about that. You're 100% okay? right about so that. So that's, totally that's the way that I'm looking at it from. No, and it's a good way to look right. at it. And obviously, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys on this team, okay? At this point, I don't know how many there are on the roster, or whatever it is. But you got to remember something. This is the offseason. This is April. And to your point, Lance, is that every single one of these guys – they have things happening in their lives, okay? Things happen. They're, you know, like I know Glowinski, his, he's, his wife is pregnant. I know this for, for a fact. Very, very, like, so, you know, there could have been a doctor's appointment today. Sure. There's so, all kinds of things that can happen. So, like, my wife level of pregnant is what you're talking exactly. about? Exactly. Okay. So, so, if you're saying, you know what, I got to go to the doctor, I think this is way more important on April 20th going to your right. wife's doctor's appointment than missing a workout, which, by the way, to your point, Lance, doesn't say that I have to be here. And if you're if you're so don't don't you know, don't call me out on this. If you tell me I don't have to be here now that what I'm saying is and this is me a former player. 
if I don't have any of those issues going on, then I probably should be here. Okay. That's all I'm saying. And by the way, this is your job. This is what you get paid to do. And yes, I'm asking you, you, you don't have to be here, but I think it's a good thing that you are here. And by the way, for Canarius yeah. Tony's own selfish sake, it would help him personally to be here. That's right. Work. And so, Work. well, but, because it's a but, new offense and yeah. you have to get acclimated to that. Right. And there's yeah. no doubt. There's right. no argument around that. Yeah. There's definitely value. Right. Yeah. Um, can I, can I make one more point and sure. one more question? I'll take it off the air. Absolutely. All right. The one point left in the question. So the point I want to, I, I was talking to some friends last week and I said, um, Shane from, not, and he wasn't the general manager. I know it was Brandon Bean, so I can't put it all on Shane. Mm -hmm. But just to get a reference, I wouldn't be surprised if Shane takes two defensive players in the first round. I know, I know that sounds like blasphemy to people that want that offensive tackle, and I'm, I'm with you guys and with most of the fans. We need to get that old line showed up. I'm not saying that that would be right or wrong, but I wouldn't be surprised if he took. So if a sauce is there at seven, and there's like a Jermaine Johnson or God forbid Thibodeau fell to seven, I definitely could see him taking those. Uh, depending on how the board falls, those two may be long gone. You know, things happen. I'm just saying hypothetically, I wouldn't be surprised if he took two defensive players with that um, first round and took a tackle in the second or a guard in the second. So I just want to say that. Thank you, Jason. For you. Got it. Well, hold up. Hypothetical for you three. If the Jets were to call, hello? Yeah, we're listening. We got you. Uh, if the Jets were to call um, and they made a proposal, just to you know, ask you guys if you were the GM, if they call it and wanted that, I forgot. I think they pick at number ten, I believe. Yep. I don't right. really remember. They pick at ten. Yep. Yep. Right. If they were to call, either at five or seven. Let's say, let's say five, and they said, you know what, we'll give you. We want your number five, but we'll give you next year's first, this year's first, and Beckton. Would you take that? Would you take that trade? Yes. In a minute. Are you? I yeah, would, Jason, I would yes. pull a hamstring running. Trade. Like, <laughs> I know there's no cards anymore, like John said the other day, but I would pull something. <laughs> I would you, send you'd the allow all players to, to not show up to OTAs as a result of that trade off. I will send the forklift to uh, yeah. Florham Park to, to heft Makai Beckton in his 400 pounds that he apparently weighed yeah. last season at some point over here. And yes, to move down five spots to get a first round pick next year. Yes. And Beckton, too. Yeah. Yes. I would almost yeah. consider doing that just for one of their seconds to move back. Like, if you go in like three spots from seven to 10, I'm getting a two out of it. Yeah. Hells yeah. What? What? what sure. Something Absolutely. tells me that the Jets are not going no, to do that. So. No, <laughs> so, I, I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. think that they would be. No. Totally agree. Um, no, look, would I would I be surprised if the Giants didn't take an offensive tackle with I one would. of their first two picks? Yes, would I be shocked, like mouth-hanging, chin-dragging on the floor? No. Depending on who it was, right? I mean, if Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson were there, or Trayvon Walker and Sauce Gardner. But you see what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I think it just depends. Oh, you know? I don't, that's not out of the question. So. Well, ha, ha, well, would it shock you if they picked Thibodeau and Sauce Gardner at 5-7? and seven? Yes, it would. Over a tackle. That, that would really surprise you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. that would, it, would it be all that bad? No, but I, I just feel like I think this is just too important at this juncture of where we're, the Giants are starting to rebuild to miss out on, on this type of an offensive lineman at that number. How about you, Lance? Well, I think the caller, and I'm just interpreting what he was saying, I think he was looking at the recent Bills draft history. Yep. And you look at trends, and 
they've taken offensive linemen in the second round. They took a pair of defensive linemen in the first and second picks overall in 2021. They took a running back at a defensive end. Well, you Ed Oliver, Rousseau, Epinesa. Correct, exactly. Uh, 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 who's the other? They picked one other defensive end. Uh, he had another good nickname. I forget. Anyway, Basham, Boogie yeah, Basham. Yeah, Boogie Basham. Thank you. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. yeah, he was the second round pick in Boogie. 2021. Yep. So I think that's where he was going. And in fairness, once again, Brandon Bean was the general manager. Not to say that Joe Shane didn't have any influence, mm-hmm. but when you have somebody different at the head of the table, it can't just be automatically carried over. Yeah. The way that I would look at it, guys, if you're looking for that comparison, is I would look at 2019 because that's when the Bills really started to tweak their offensive line because Allen was drafted in 18, and then 19, they said, okay, we need to make changes. They had already drafted Deion Dawkins in 2017, so they had a second-round pick at tackle. And again, that draft was before... Correct, Shane before those guys arrived. There. Correct. Yes, yes. because mm-hmm. they didn't come in until after the draft in the spring. Their first draft wasn't until 18. Yes. But the reason why I'm bringing this up is... They had Deion Dawkins, then they went out. They brought in Mitch Morrison, free agency, to play center. They brought in John Feliciano as a guy that could have versatility, but he was a guard. And then they brought in Quinton Spain. So they brought in three free agents, and they had Dawkins, and then they drafted Cody Ford Mm -hmm. in the second round. So the reason I'm bringing that up, guys, is, no, it would not be crazy if they maybe waited till the second round to grab an offensive lineman, because if you're looking as the equivalency, okay, you have Andrew Thomas, somebody that they're inheriting, who was a draft pick like a Deion Dawkins. You went out in free agency. You got Feliciano and Glowinski. So you've got some guys returning. You're hoping from injury. Could you get the tackle in the second round? I don't think that's crazy. No, it's not possible, right? It's a good class for that. Well, it it all depends what you think of that second. Sure, well, one hundred percent, John, one hundred percent. But I get that's what I would look at, though. I wouldn't look at so much who they picked. I would look at how they went about addressing the Bills' offensive line in twenty nineteen. No, I think it's a good point, Lance. All right, we got two more calls. I know we're over, but I will. Let's try to get to them here. Call, you're on the air. Click. What's your name? Where you calling from? This is Doug Moyer from Glen Falls, New York. Doug, what's going on? Okay. The only thing that makes me nervous is that the kid from Oregon and his off-field issues. I hope someone else takes him because I wouldn't want to have to make that pick over somebody else. Now, but, Doug, let me just remember, he's not a ba- like he doesn't have any criminal issues. Yeah, not he's so not a bad guy. guy. No, I know that, but but if he if he thinks he's all there already, then coaching may may be a problem with him. Well, it definitely could be. Yep, yeah, I mean, that's well, that's you why you take. talk to his coaches. And that's and also why you see him, they, you know, when the season started, he was the number one pick. Yeah, and, 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 and an anecdote someone used with me was he's the guy that after three years of good but not great production will hold out wanting to be like the highest paid defensive end <laughs> that's in football. That's so true. You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he seems like that yeah. that type yeah. of guy. So again, in that scenario, we, yeah, we, that, again, that I, would scare We you. are not endorsing that <laughs> but it by happens. any means. And again, this was just a media person that used that line for me. I'm not sourcing this to anybody or anything like that. But that's how someone kind of described where they could see an issue pop up. <laughs> and again, we don't know the guy. So right. we can't speak to that either way. Then again, there's right, a lot of guys right. that want to get paid in the NFL. So. Yes, that's right. Yeah, the yeah. question is, though, but do you hold out to get it? You know well, what I mean? Well, sure. Especially no, in the next three years. Yeah, especially on a day like today where Debo Samuel, who— Well, that's what, what I'm saying. I was going to go there. Career, there the there's other guys that have gone down that road. Well, what about Kyler Murray? Oh, Murray, okay, he's got two yep. years left on his contract. Mm-hmm. He wants a new contract, too. And so. by the way, and I would classify both those guys as really good players at their position, but probably not like elite top 
three or four guys at their position. You know what I mean? Man, so I, I tell you what, yeah. from a player's yeah. perspective, I would wait a couple of years. Do you know how much money is going to be there in two years from yeah, now? Yeah, almost as a quarterback, you want to like 100%. wait as long as you can. A yeah. quarterback can be making like 60 a year. Yeah, so he must really hate somebody yeah. there. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if this deal goes through with Apple TV on this, this package thing that they've been talking about, you know how much money the NFL is going to go? That cap is going to go up. Yeah. Well, and like, the cap already went up. Yeah, yeah and it's going to be even more. COVID, so, yeah. Correct. Yeah. Well, I think, you know what, Jeff? I just think it's the injury risk. I think a lot yeah. of guys. Oh, that's a huge just, point. That's what yes. they're worried about. That, no, that, I, I'm with you, Jeff. Yeah. You're right. I mean, before you know I it, it's going to be 50 million. I just, I don't think they're willing to go through another season yeah. without having that security. I, go ahead. That's what it comes down to. I'm yeah. sorry, Doug. Especially if somebody wants to give it to you, right? Sure. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound like they do. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're right, John. Well, maybe not right now. Right, but yeah. if he holds out in September, something tells me they may want to. And by the way, remember. One more point. Yeah, go ahead, Doug, please. All right. Um, then you're talking about those offensive linemen and 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 what uh, um, his name Cross from Mississippi State. He probably he probably was the most solid safe pick because of his his background and and all the past past pro he's, he's been in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with Mike Leach. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So so the, the possibilities that if everybody. Is gone, including Sauce Gardner. They might take two off the ends of tackles, but but if Sauce Gardner is there, they probably would go for him because because he sounds like he's pro ready to to step right in into Bradbury's position if if they trade him. Well, d- is Doug, that kid that good? We have no idea what they're thinking. We're just talking about what we're thinking because Joe Shane has no, been I mean, very quiet about this. So, but I'm saying Sauce Gardner is that good that he could probably step in and start if they needed him to. For one of the corner positions, yeah, absolutely, Immediately. absolutely. Yeah, if, you, if you take him with the fifth or the seventh overall pick, yes, He's playing. I, I would hope he could start right away. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely, and he matches what Wink wants—a press, yeah. fast, long cornerback. And again, I, I've heard and Schrager said this the other day on Good Morning Football, and other, and I had had this conversation at the combine on the air with somebody where if he was in last year's draft, he would probably have gotten picked after J.C. Horn and after Patrick Sertan. But last year's draft was ridiculous. You had like nine blue chip non quarterback players in that class. So that's also good company to be in. No, it it's is not bad. Absolutely. I mean, those two corners. I know Horn got hurt, but Sertan had a decent rookie year. No, they're sure. both really so, good players. Yeah. yeah. So again, but he definitely is starting if you're drafting him at five oh, or seven. Yeah. Yeah. If he's not, then we have bigger problems. Regardless, even if 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 Bradbury is here, he's still starting. Don't you think? I think there's an effort to get him on the field. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You're going to start over at Dory Jackson? I don't think there's a scenario where you draft Sauce and Bradbury's still here. But you never know, right? I don't and think that was a my And that was my point to when we got onto this conversation. No, you're right. There's information that we don't have right now that I'm telling you that's going to influence it. Has and to by, the way, J- by the way, I'm sorry, Lance, go ahead real quick. No, no, go ahead. No, no, go finish your thought, John. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. I want to jump into something Joe Shane said today because you just reminded me of it, Jeff. And someone asked him about the renegotiation on Adoree Jackson. He said, well, you know, there was something that's not in the public salary information on these guys that made me renegotiate it when I did. I had to do it when I did based on things that is not publicly available. So I just want to reinforce, even though we have, you know, spot track and overthecap.com and all that stuff. And we look at the stuff. A lot of times there's stuff going on that we don't know about in these contracts. Anyway, go ahead, Lance. No, I think that's a great point. I mean, unless you see 
the 17 pages of the deal, which mm-hmm. is only the subsection of one, and you don't see the next 15 that has all of these other yeah, different clauses. Or, or money yeah, could have been guaranteed on a certain exactly. date, or any of those performance, things. like he could have hit incentives last year that are going to be paid out by this amount. Yep. I mean, you never on know. On a certain date, like who, 100%. who knows? Who yeah. knows? Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Go ahead, Lance. I'm no, sorry. no, the only thing that I was going to add to what Jeff was saying is, Jeff, I think if you draft Sauce and Bradbury is still on the roster after the draft, I think you feel more comfortable parting ways with Bradbury because you at least feel that you have a good corner Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. place. That's right. So I would be a little bit more comfortable shopping Bradbury and Mm -hmm. obviously making a deal. If you have the draft go by, you still have Bradbury, Mm -hmm. but you don't have anyone that you took home in the draft class that you feel good about replacing him then I think there's a little bit more uncertainty. So it makes you, I think, feel a little bit better about parting ways with him in the event you already drafted Sauce. Right. I have one more uh, hypothetical I want to throw at you guys, but I want to get to our final caller first. Right. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name and where are you calling from? Yeah, Kevin from Florida. Kevin, Kevin. what's up? And uh, I was going to say that I, I'm, I kind of agree with Charlie. I think drafting the two offensive linemen, and putting out the best offensive line you can gives you the best opportunity to make a good decision about both Jones and Barkley at the conclusion of the season. No, it's a good point. That's a yeah. fair point, Kevin. It's a fair and, point. And, and, and I also think that, you know, much like people, like they say that in baseball, pitching and defense, you can't go anywhere without that. I believe the same applies in offensive line in football. I think if you don't have at least a good offensive line, it's going to be very, very hard to compete week in and week out. Yeah, but and Kevin, in order I, to have a good offensive line, you don't have to spend three top seven picks on three players on the line. Well, may, may, maybe you don't, but you've already spent that one on Thomas a couple of years ago, and you know, as I, you know, and I, I would also even go as far as to say, maybe you, late, later on in the draft, you might want to draft a developmental center. Gregory Feliciano is only going to be good for a couple of years, two or three. So my thought would be. I, I, my thought would be let's get the offensive line as strong as you can, make good decisions about the, the two premier players that you have to make decisions about, and then use the rest of the draft to fill in whatever else you need to fill in. Because I think that puts you – because that's a big decision on Jones, and I think you want to have as much good information on him. And if he has a great offensive line and does or doesn't perform, that ought to tell you what you need to know. Well, remember, you're well, also making fair. that decision – based on the health of those two guys, too, okay? And that really doesn't have anything to do with the offensive line. Can the guys hold up for a season? That's the other part oh, of the equation huge. Huge. in making those decisions. Lance, no, it's, so, it's frankly more important yeah. than the performance. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the caller was referencing, and I, we've heard this from a lot of people, you want the ideal offensive line. But here's the thing. Guys, part of playing football is during the course of the season, you're going to lose guys, okay? They're going to go in and out of the lineup. Your players also need to be able to adapt and thrive even when the circumstances aren't ideal. So you're wanting to see how they do under those circumstances as much as how they can handle ideal circumstances. But the bottom line is you're also talking about two players that have struggled to stay healthy and prove durable. That, to me, has nothing to do with the offensive line or the state or the upside of that group. And again, Joe Shane, I thought, Lance, and I I wonder if these words clicked with you as much as it did with me because I think it's kind of been the point I've been trying to make for the past few months and that people get mad at me about. This was the words that Joe Shane used, and it's words that I've used, too. <laughs> I know where you're going. <laughs> Based on the state of the roster and where we are, we just need to pick the best player that's there and not worry too much about need. 
How many times have I basically said those words over the past three months? That's why we need the well, list. It's not about <laughs> filling holes for this year. Yep. It's about getting the guys that are going to be the best players for the next eight years. If God willing, you're able to or resign them five. to a second contract. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that's always been my philosophy about the draft. I've campaigned for that every year, regardless of the state right. of the Giants roster. So, I mean, I'm with you, John, from that standpoint. Also, I think we look at the roster and we say there's multiple needs across the board. It's not as if, you know, let's not yep. make it sound. Yep. And, yep. and once again, I'm not trying to downsell the importance of the offensive line. No, okay? me neither. I'm a big believer in that. But let's not make it sound like the Giants put two <laughs> offensive linemen in and then they snap their fingers and every other issue goes away. Yeah. And that's it. Hey. Fantastic. NFC Perfect. East champions. Daniel Jones going to the is playoffs. an all-pro. It's all over. 50 okay? touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, that's not definitely gonna... not the case. Is that a huge step in the right direction? 100%. Assuming those guys deliver too, which is another important part of the equation. But the point is there's a lot of areas that need to be addressed, and I think Shane understands that. That's why he's saying, I can't just think about 2022. Got to think about how these guys are going to help us in 2024 and 25, and hopefully even beyond that. Yeah, my point is that with these picks, whatever you do, make the picks, trade the picks, whoever you pick, maximize the value to your football team. Mm -hmm. Yeah. However you do it maximize the value to your football team. So if you think you're going to get more value out of Two a guy at cornerback than a guard, then pick the cornerback. Yeah. If you think you're maximizing your value, and again, how good a player is combined with the positional value is kind of what my formula is here. If you think you're going to get more value out of a Quanu a guard than anybody else in any other position, then Pick a quantum a guard. If you think you're going to get more value by the th three additional picks you get by trading down 10, 15 spots, then you trade down. Even if it costs you that one guy, but if you think overall you're getting more value and bang for the bucks on your picks, then that's the move you have to make. For the Giants right now, guys, and I can't stress this enough, and trust me, I've been through the longest rebuild of all time with the New York Knicks. It's only going on 20 years now. You want to maximize. <laughs> you want to maximize. It's actually 21. Thank you. I, I, I appreciate yes, okay. that, jerk. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> hey, you opened up Pandora's no, box, I know. so you can thank I know yourself I did. for that one. I know I did. Yes. You want to, with everything you do, maximize the number of assets you have under your control, whether it's the number of draft picks, salary cap space, or good players. And I'm not reducing a player and a person to an asset. I'm just talking about what teams have at their disposal to become a... I'm referring to everything collectively as an asset. Mm -hmm. You have money to spend, you have draft picks, and you have players. You want as many of... When you're in a building stage like the Giants are in their new regime, you want to maximize you start checking those things as much as possible. You want the most cap space, you want the most picks, you want the best players. So or the players with the most ability to, to be good down the road because you're not trying to win now necessarily, or at least you're not all in to win right now. You're worried about the future. Or you that's, feel you can win. That's <laughs> how I'm looking at this approach right now. Maximize your assets moving forward so you have flexibility. You can build slowly, build securely, and frankly, it gives you more room to make mistakes, right? Like if you pick a guy at seven, you might have picked the right guy. If he pops his Achilles and is never the same, you're, you're screwed up. But okay. if you get three picks for that, and one of those three guys mm. pops his Achilles and his career and shot, two more. but you still got two more, right? So you're maximizing your value and your chance of success. 
that's where I'm right now in terms of how I want to go back, go about this. And I think listening to Joe Shane, I think that's where he's at too. Maybe not to the extreme that I am, but that's kind of what I got from listening to him today. Anyway, that's all I have for that. Any thoughts? Well, I mean, I, I think this all goes about value. And I think, you know, if, if all of a sudden you're sitting there in the second round and there's a quarterback in the second round, I know this is going to drive you nuts because of the second round quarterback thing that you throw me. I'm in. already stewing. But, you know, there could be a quarterback there at the second round where the value is there when you're ranking your players. And so if you're going to go through this evaluation, if you have a quarterback with a first round grade and he's sitting there at 36, then you pull the trigger. Yeah, I mean, that's just, you know, you do it. Again, usually that doesn't happen because quarterbacks are overdrafted, but in your hypothetical, yeah. But sure. when, I, when I look at this situation this year, that could be a possibility with the quarterbacks that are in this draft this year. Well, it depends how who you have a first-round grade on, right? Mm-hmm. Lance, final thoughts before I give you my last hypothetical. Well, no, I'm with <laughs> you in terms of the trying to maximize the value. I just, and once again, we're really interpreting what Joe Shane did here and what he said today, which is pretty <laughs> much what the art of, I guess, this period of the Reading year is. Reading the tea leaves, yeah. Uh, yes, I just, I don't know if he's that aggressive in saying I need to get three for one because I also go back to, I think somebody asked the question about how important is five and seven oh, no. to what you're trying to do. And, and he, he said, said it's integral. Correct. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Extremely important yep. that these could be building blocks. Once again, all paraphrasing. So I do think he also understands that to what we were discussing earlier, it doesn't mean that you have to take offensive linemen, but utilizing actually five and seven could at least get you on the right track if obviously those two players pan out. All right. Final hypothetical before we go, guys, and then we're going to wrap up here. Hypothetical. You guys discuss. Is there a scenario you would take Derek Stingley Jr. over Kayvon Thibodeau? Talk. Hmm. Go on, you uh, want to go first? Go sir? ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Uh. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say, to me, I think injury concerns are a little bit more of a red flag for me yeah. than perhaps what at least some Here's people that. are alluding to yeah. is character right, right, or attitude. Right. I mean, listen, I know we had a caller earlier weigh in on this. I have no problem with a guy showcasing confidence in himself. I think that's a good trait. What do I want him to come in and think that he stinks and that he's the 52nd greatest player? I have no problem, Jeff, in somebody having a little bravado. Yes, you want to have limits to that. You want to still be able to say, hey, I'm not a finished product. I got to be open to coaching, fine tuning. But bravado to me is not a bad thing. Being confident in yourself, I would say in any field is a good thing to have so that to me is not as much of a red flag compared to some recent injury that just happened that you're a little bit worried about hey i mean year one how many games are we going to necessarily get out of him is so there the answer, such thing though lance is overconfidence where you think you're so good you don't need to work that hard to keep getting better uh, of course there sure is. Yeah. yeah i think right. there is but i don't know i mean once again sometimes that's hard to gauge oh, based on even is. having a conversation right within sure a room is. or meeting for 20 minutes or so. I think that's why I would want to speak to the Oregon coaches, maybe, you know, people that have been around him, because they're going to give you an idea of what he was like at practice I on agree. a daily basis, what his work ethic. Those things, I think those fears could be allayed, John, by having those conversations with the training staff, the guy that got the water for the players. They got eyes and ears. They see everything, okay? So nothing's going to be hidden from their standpoint. If you get check marks, if you feel good after having those conversations, I would take Thibodeau over Stingley. But is there a scenario you would consider Stingley or you're pretty far in Thibodeau's camp? 
I'm far in Thibodeau's okay. camp. How about you, Jeff? Yeah. I, I am the same, and with this with this reason too. I feel like with Stingley, I think there's an injury, which I'm, I agree with you. I'm a little bit more concerned oh, about a rehabbing injury, um, even though that he came back strong, and we don't know the severity of what the injury was and how he. Re- I mean, obviously he did pretty well at his pro day. I think that for me with Stingley is is that he's kind of got both of these things going. I feel like he's got a little bit of overconfidence that he kind of, like people are saying, the last two years of his career at LSU, he kind of took a little things off and, you know, didn't play. I heard that he was – one of the guys that I heard was listening on the radio was describing that he would take these angles on tackles not to be to tackle, just so he would take the wrong angle so he wouldn't get in the tackle. That stuff like that, that, that bothers me a little bit. So all the other stuff with Thibodeau, I, I feel like, you know, I'm with you. I think I want that confidence in a guy that comes in here. However, if it gets too much, I feel like that's where your locker room can control that, and I've seen it happen, and I feel like guys can do that. So I would take Thibodeau over that one too. They're in the same tier for me. They're in the same neighborhood, to be honest yeah, with you. They, they live close to each other. I don't, I don't, I don't feel no, – honestly, no, seriously. No, Jeff, you're right. And, and, and you don't I have think, to take public transportation. Is that what you're saying? You can walk. You, you can, can walk? walk. Okay, that's walk. good news, yes. You don't even need the bicycle. You can walk it. You don't, right. you don't even need the bike. And I, I think Lance made a great point. I think, to me, this is all about the intel you get on the two guys. Yeah, 100%. Because I think both guys have the talent to be the best player at their position in the draft class, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if those guys both hit and reach their full potential, they're probably the best defensive end and cornerback in this draft. Michael but Parsons do they? is a prime example of this. So how can you, fig- how can you figure that? See, you know, I never really got the sense. For me, the whole Michael Parsons off the field thing was never a consideration for me. It was more the off-ball linebacker thing for me that, that was more of a conversation but I piece. But I feel like this can go either way. Like when you see the risers and the fallers in the draft date, you know, drive thing, it's because a lot of it is because of what people are saying and what people aren't saying about oh, guys. Or they want perception. a guy to fold, Yeah, yeah. Or they, they exactly. do that yeah. intentionally, so, right? I mean, yeah. so I think you're really like you're going back to what Lance said and to, to uh, echo what you just said, John. Is it a lot of the things like the water boy and the guys that don't, you're interviewing those types of people? Then you can form your 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 opinion on somebody with people that are around them constantly. Not that some draft expert or some other guys heard this and saying this. That's what's important to Here's me. Here's a question for you, Jeff, and then we're gonna wrap up. Who's your former either teammate or guy you worked with at a team that I could go to that would say something really bad about Jeff? About Eagles? me? Yeah, <laughs> that hated you. Oh, man, I don't know. There's not very many people like that. You know, I treated people really well. No one. <laughs> no one. There's nobody no red out there. Flags. Lance, that's the yeah. type of overconfidence that I'm talking that's about. That's what you need. See, Jeff's got the bravado. I don't know. I, I don't know if we go back in time. Well, Jeff wasn't drafted, but if yeah. we had to go the undrafted <laughs> process again, I'd have some yes. red flags. You and might suspicions. have to find some yeah. of those yes. other punters that I so, ran out of camp. Maybe and, those guys had a bad thing to say and, about and me. And by the way, I think you'll be happy to hear this, Jeff. So, uh, some random dude. Somebody's tweeted this to me. They want me to show it to you. Some random dude. Random dude. Okay. Random dude at Big Game. Boomer put up a chart that listed the top 100 greatest college punters of all time. Oh, wow. Okay. I wasn't Where in do there. you think you rank on that I wasn't list? in there. Oh, well, you're on there. Was I? College? But is this based says. on college production or what or they did in the NFL and yeah. then sort of going back? Because you know, There's some people... a lot of guys here that I haven't heard of, so I'm thinking it's actually college production. Well, I wasn't very good in college, in my opinion. Well, they have you. They have well, they have you ranked seventeenth on this list. Mm, well, I, that's higher than I thought I would. The be. guys ahead of you, real quickly: Ray Guy, number one; mm-hmm. Dustin Colquitt, number mm-hmm. two; Tom Skladani. Mm, yeah, don't know him. Have no idea. Dan Sepulveda from Baylor. 
No, anything? No, mm-hmm. nothing. That's what I'm saying. I would if these guys yeah, were all NFL are, kickers, I know them. They're college kickers. Wow. Braden yeah. Mann out of Texas A and M. Yep, I remember him. Matt Areza out of San Diego mm-hmm. State. Which, by the way, I think I also tweeted this to you. There was an interesting thing about his stats of getting inside the twenty versus the Penn State punter. Penn State's take, better. Take a look at that when you get a chance. I, I want to talk to you about that on a the later Penn show this State week. Guy. Yeah, I know, right? Um, Tom Hackett out of Utah, number seven. Nope. Uh, Chad Kessler out of LSU, number eight. Nope. Reggie Roby out of Iowa, number nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pat McAfee, number mm-hmm. 10 out of West Virginia. Johnny Pingle out of Michigan State, number 11. Remember the name because Pingle. I think it's okay. Pringle. Pingle. Uh, Drew Butler, number yeah. 12 out of Georgia. Uh, that's uh, Kevin Butler's son. Ray Allen, who apparently transferred from UConn to Louisiana Tech at some point. <laughs> at number 13. Yeah, player. hell of a three yeah. points. You had a great punter, yeah. too. Most punters are. Oh, I'm sorry. That was Ryan Allen. I actually misread it. To <laughs> oh, so, God. So, so, what are you pulling a Fiegel? Yeah, you can't I pronounce did. the guy's name? So there goes the joke. I just totally <laughs> yeah. stepped on my that own That joke, joke gets yeah. completely thrown Absolutely. out the window. It, it, Ryan sorry. Allen, Ray Allen. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, all the same thing. Number 14, Marv Bateman. A second Utah appearance on this list. Utah is his punter haven. Um, good luck with this one. Russell. Erksleben? Yes. Erksleben mm-hmm. out of Texas, who I don't know who that is. Uh, I remember. Um, remember the name. Ryan Plackemeyer yeah. out of Wake Forest yep. at 16. And then in comes Jeff Eagles, Eagles at number 17. 17. All right. Fuck so fo- the top fo- 20. Followed by Mitch Wichnowski. Oh, yeah. The guy. He's a 49er punter, right? Yeah. Also from Utah. Three Utah punters. Maybe the guy did that. This list is from, from Utah. Utah. I don't know. Yeah. But that's three Utah punters. In the I'd top love to 18. know the criteria for yes, this. No, so I buy the fact that it's college. <laughs> I would just love to know how they went about <laughs> putting this list together. I, I'm not complaining. I no, like it. 17th? Yeah. yeah, I'll take that. Yeah, Todd college Sauerbrunn is on the list. Obviously, Andy Lee's on the list. Um, Jim Colquitt, Brad Maynard, another good guy. Uh, who else I see here that I recognize? Uh... That's about well, it. Well, it just goes to NFL show you, guys. it seems also as you go deeper in the list, they had better NFL careers. Brad them, Wing so. yeah. making the list at number 91. How about that? Uh-huh. Yeah, he, and he, those are the only he deserves to be NFL punters <laughs> that... <laughs> wow, Jeff talking some trash here. I told you bravado, Lance. Red, red, red flag Jeff Fiegels. That guy is a little bit You cocky. know, you didn't name Matt Dodge, just out of curiosity. No, he is not, not on there? Yes. No. He's 191. He's the, he's... Well, I wanted to, I wanted to get Jeff's perspective on him. I mean, he did play at East Carolina, so come on, you know. Yeah, don't start. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow it'll be Jeff, myself, and Detino, I believe, as we did a little switcheroo dunkaroo, and we're gonna try to triple up on schools. So we're gonna try to do Cincinnati, Penn State, and Washington. All right, so tell, so telling me that we're gonna mention the punter from Penn State tomorrow. Yes, we probably okay, will. Good. So right. Cincinnati, and we're working on Penn State and Washington. We'll see if that works uh, for tomorrow's show, and then on Friday we'll be back. And uh, we're going to try to do uh, Notre Dame and Clemson. Oh, which I have to book, so I better get on top of that. Uh, so make sure you tune in to Big Blue Kickoff Live for the next couple of days at noon as we continue to get ready for the NFL draft. For Paul, uh, for, for these guys, they're not Paul. He's not here. <laughs> for Lance Meadow and Jeff Eagles, I'm John for Schmel. these guys. It's time, it's time to I go. <laughs> yes, that is a Some random sign. guy and these guys. Bye. <laughs> See you tomorrow at noon. That's a heck of a finish.